I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Sans Pants Radio, Australia's happiest podcast network. Hey everyone, welcome to Bookish. I'm George Demarellis. This is a show where we ask you, what's your story and what does it say about you? Today on the show, we have comedian, actor and radio presenter, Sarah Marie. How are you doing, Sarah? I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me. That's no problem. Glad to have you on. It's lovely to actually chat. I haven't seen you in person for quite some time. Yes, back in my uh, more fresh face days. Last time we saw each other was at a 30th birthday party. Oh, which one? Was that Amanda's? Yeah. Oh, right. Mutual friend Amanda. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that was a while ago. Was that the last time? Yeah, that was the last time we saw one another. That was just over the no. summertime period, I'm pretty sure. And then not long after that, COVID kicked in and really put a dampener on the social activity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was the end of everything for everyone, I think, <laughs> as two fellow Melburnians now. But you, because you do the radio thing, though, you've kind of, it's been kind of the same, right? For you? I really feel like I'm in such a blessed position where I can't complain in comparison to so many other people. I still come to work because I can get a permit, you know, as an essential worker. It is essential that I play Rock's Greatest Hits and (laughs) also fortunate (laughs) for me that I live within a five-kilometre radius of where I work as well. So I still get to come to work every single day and it it breaks everything up for me and I have a really fun job as well. So that takes up a huge chunk of my day. Yeah, and keeps it like fresh and at least... Then it means the only real hit you've taken from Corona really is you can't go out to eat or anything or go out to bars and things. Yeah, there's all the other side hustle stuff. I mean, the comedy side of things. As we know, we didn't get to do Melbourne International Comedy Festival. And I was actually strapping myself in for, I think it was 32 shows that I was doing between improv comedy and doing my own stand-up. And yeah, and then that obviously went out the window. So there's that. And I also host the football games for Richmond at the MCG. So there's all those other little bits and pieces Uh of my life that don't exist right now. So I'm fortunate to still have Triple M as my constant. Would you be going crazy if you didn't? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. For people that are working from home or maybe not working, you know, I don't know about you, but I've got a lot of friends and family who have unfortunately uh, been laid off or had their hours wound down to zero and, and might pick up later, but they're just at home really not doing much. And if your five kilometer radius isn't a good time, 
that's hard. You know, I'm so fortunate to have the parks and the running tracks that I do near my house. Yeah, you're like, you're a buzzer because you're like uh, Paran, right? Yeah, yeah. If we can say that on the radio. Oh, that's fine. I say it on air as well. I mean, I'm not going to tell you my exact address, but (laughs) I have been known to frequent Chapel Street to pick up some food. Yeah, that is a plus. You've got a lot of stuff going around there. So, yeah, at least you can go for a run. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm just uh, so I've actually moved to <laughs> in between quarantines. I managed to sneak down to Dramana. Do you think someone's going to listen? Because were we, when I say Look. we, I mean the community, were we allowed to go down to our beach houses? I don't have a beach house, by the way. Uh, look, let me tell you right now a house is an overstatement. It's more of like a duplex, I guess. It's part of like a complex and it's one of the places in there. So I'm trying to defend myself here. It's not like I'm <laughs> living in some mansion, but it is beautiful. The location's amazing because it's like across the road from the water. I mean, so it's a small place, but it's near the water. And you know what? It's me and you and all the people listening. And by the time, you know, they call it on me, I'm sure Corona will be over. But uh, I've actually been back to Melbourne a couple of times because I have work there and I've got a permit as well, funnily enough. I don't know about the legitimacy of that, but I've got a permit and I'm staying here. So I'm actually being very responsible. But let me tell you right now, there are so many cars on the road. <laughs> when I drive back, it is a nonstop flow all the way from Melbourne down to Dramana. Like it is this quarantine business, maybe the first two weeks, maybe the first week of stage four hit hard. But since then, I'm telling you, people are out and about. People are doing stuff. I'm sure not everyone. Melbourne, I can tell you that much because I'm actually in the Triple M studio still and I can peer outside onto Clarendon Street and truly foot traffic and car traffic and whatnot, that is down dramatically. And my commute into work is so quick because there's barely any cars. How good's that though? It's like it's got a cool vibe as well because it's like all post-apocalyptic. Weird. It's so weird coming into a radio station because normally it's so full of you know so many people. The atmosphere, everything is fantastic, and at the moment only the presenters are in. That's it. Everybody else is working from home, so it's weird. All right. So just you guys come into an empty room and just talking. Yeah, and we're all separated as well. We're not allowed to share studios. Because, yeah. you know, if some person, you know, one person gets COVID. So, yeah, we're using intercom a lot to talk to other people. <laughs> yeah, and like, the other thing is as well, you guys are like, what time's your slot? 9am-ish when the hot breakfast finish. It's yeah. a bit a movable feast there. They're far more important. Uh, so, usually I'm on by about quarter past nine uh, till 1pm, Monday to Friday. Okay, right, right, right. Yeah. So, that's, you're probably getting, still getting plenty of listeners, that sort of thing. Oh, listening is up. We've been looking at all the data with people streaming, using the app, listening from the web browser, working from home, also on the smart devices, and the numbers are honestly insane. <laughs> we can really? Believe. Yes. It is huge. There are some day parts that are dramatically, uh, I don't want to say too much, but it's blowing us out of the water. Right. Yeah. Is that maybe because like instead of everyone listening to one radio, maybe, oh, I guess you can't listen to the radio at work. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I get it. You know, we've got Spotify and Apple Music and all that kind of stuff too. But the great thing with the radio and if you find a station that you like and it's a music one, hopefully we're putting together the music that you very much enjoy listening to anyway so you don't need to keep going through and fatiguing your own playlists, you know what I mean, on on Spotify or wherever you listen and and utilise those streaming services. So a lot of people are at home listening to the radio and And listening to the hot breakfast, that might be the only bit of news that they get during the day as well. So the way that people are listening, it's it's so much more intent and people are leaning in and engaging. It's amazing. 
Really? Yeah. So you're noticing like, does your show involve people calling in and stuff like that? Yeah, I try and get as many calls on as possible and chatting to people who were struggling with homeschooling and getting their kids sorted. Somebody I was talking to has four kids at four different schools. That's four different recesses, lunchtimes, everything, and they've got the kids all set up and they're working from home. And so you, you get them on and, you know, talk to the family and sometimes get the kids on and we're even putting our programs out in a way that facilitates that sort of learning space. So we've got a thing called School of Rock that we do on on Fridays. So we sort of imagine parents being there going, oh, yeah, this is from Pink Floyd and that's from that iconic album and this is the Fooies and, and whatnot. And so they get to share that with their kids and then we end up having these 15-year-old kids going, that's amazing, and then they're learning about vinyl for the first time because imagine <laughs> trying to explain vinyl to a 15-year-old. Some of them don't even know what the save icon means when they're working off their laptop. Yeah, they just think there. it's a picture. And I'm like, no, that's a fucking yeah. man. So the way that we're putting out our product, we are trying our very best to accommodate and tailor to the way that people are consuming the medium right now and it's working. That's really interesting because, yeah, so you're with Triple M. Yeah. Generally, that audience probably skews a bit older, would you say? Yeah, but, man, it's all over. I mean, you have a male skew, but there's plenty of females that listen as well, and you've got younger teenagers, and then right up until 60s and 70s, I speak to the most incredible range of people who listen to Triple M. So it goes to show that if you've got rock, sport, and comedy, that can really appeal to so many different demographics and that's why I love working here it's the best right okay yeah and the other thing about radio though as well is like it is that other voice so I guess people get a bit of company (laughs) you're sitting at home and you've seen two people for the last three months exactly yeah it can start wearing on you big time so having someone on the radio you can just feel a bit closer to yeah 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 and it's every day as well so it's like Exactly. We're getting people calling who have probably been listening to Triple M for a really long time and they've never called before and then they just want to have a chat. So, yeah, have a chat to them and have a laugh and find out who their favourite artist or what their favourite band is and see if you can get them on for them. That's so nice. You're doing your service during Corona, That's uh, during COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good effort. It is a nice little community service that we provide here. It's the best part of radio. Yeah, yeah. It is like that that part of that engagement for the media as well, isn't it? Because like, it's every day people really feel like they're your mate, I guess, in a way. Yeah, and they contact you as well on other platforms, you know, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, and they want to keep chatting sometimes. And, and I've, I mean, I've got to focus on my show, but sometimes I've got to jump on to those platforms because people will be tweeting or messaging going, hey, can you put this on? Or, geez, I love that live track that you played or whatnot. So... It's really interesting to see how people engage. Yeah, and like, and because of that intimacy, though, it's like they're just going to be a lot more, yeah, a lot more friendlier, I yeah, guess. Yeah, it is. And they feel like they know me. And for a lot of these <laughs> listeners, yeah, I end up learning a lot about them as well in their little chats. And it's great. I love it. All right. But that probably also means that sometimes, uh, actually, as a female, pre- I don't know if you can talk about this, but as a female presenter, you probably get bugged quite a bit as well, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah. And there's been some really awful instances over the years of my career. I've lived all over Australia doing radio and I've done radio overseas as well. And you get the really great part of being in radio and being connected to the community and that's fantastic and having all those callers and then you get some really disgusting people. Yeah. Yeah, which make it's... you feel ick, which, you know, isn't a good time. I remember one day getting a phone call a particular radio station I was working at, not in this state, and my boss actually said, hey, 
you can't come into work for the next hour or so. We've just got the police here. And I went, okay, how come? <laughs> they said, there's somebody here who we believe has been uh, stalking you and they've been waiting at the radio station for you to arrive. So, yeah, my boss just said, actually, I think that day, I don't, I don't think I went to work that day. I think they ended up calling saying, don't come at all. Yeah. Yeah. I could understand that, to be honest. That is... <laughs> it is so... <laughs> yeah. It's so much. It's like, yeah, but again, it's because the intimacy of the radio format. So these people would probably feel, I don't know, more like they've got a right to it or some Yeah, yeah. Nonsense. They they really do sometimes in those cases, but they're few and far between. And some people actually, there's no harmful intent in what they're doing. Sometimes they just want to see you or talk to you more or whatnot. So, I mean, yeah. the positive to having social media go gangbusters in the last decade, that's actually put a, a stop to that. For me, I can't speak for all of the presenters, but because I'm so tangible in other facets, Facebook, Instagram, I've got those public pages there and I try to respond to so many people, I don't really have that occurrence as much. So it's like they get their fill. They get their Sarah fill from... <laughs> Okay, why do you say Sarah feel? Jeez. I don't want to be encouraging that. I, I meant more Sarah Phil. <laughs> but that's probably just as bad. <laughs> uh, but that's interesting that actually having the social media can like put a cap on that, which I wouldn't have thought of that at all. It also invites other things as well. I was in a nice little battle with Instagram the other week. Someone was sending me some full frontal nudity pics, and I reported them, and then I got the message back saying, uh, this person has not breached the community guidelines. And I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> a breastfeeding mother does, and we'll whip that photo down, but if Gary's sending you a pic of his bit, <laughs> then that's okay. Dora, this is internet radio. You can say dick. <laughs> I'm sensitive because I'm in the studio. There's just this thing in my brain that is always going off saying, don't swear. You're not allowed. Yeah. <laughs> so no, that's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, I know. Because otherwise, if you weren't in that studio, you'd be just blue as a sailor. <laughs> so you know exactly how I talk outside of this. <laughs> yeah. Which is, you know, using the Queen's English. <laughs> like a lady. <laughs> yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I guess uh, just to give some people some framework for everything we want to chat about, though, where, where are you from originally? I grew up around the corner from Waverley Park Footy Ground, so Noble Park oh. North Girl. So if anyone's familiar with Waverley's, Waverley Gardens, you know, Jackson's Road, Police Road, near that area where they've got the interchange for Eastlink there. That is exactly where I grew up in that hood. Right. And, yeah, went to school at Nazareth College and, yeah, was a southeastern suburban girl, then started moving everywhere for radio. Yeah, yeah, because that's why I've only known you since you were like living a bit further out. Was it Geelong Way or something like that? I was working at a radio station down there called K Rock with my beautiful then radio husband, Tom, who is uh, still on air down there. And I loved it. I love Geelong. And I do not like that I cannot go down there at the moment because of the five kilometer issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So did you try to get down there still, even though you weren't there as much anymore? I've gone down once. I went through the checkpoint legitimately because my orthodontist is down there because I started getting aligners at an orthodontist down there when I was living there. And so I've got all my checkups as you do, you know, with braces. So I had my little appointment and it was so exciting. And it was at a time when 
Melbourne had the masks, but regional didn't. So I got to Geelong. I was like, no one's wearing a mask. This is so weird. And I've gotten out of my car and I'm wearing a mask. I was like, I feel so foreign. I feel like I'm not meant to be here. But it was so lovely just to be down there for that little orthodontist appointment. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. You take the small wins, you know, that's uh, yeah. 2020, the year you're excited to go for an orthodontist appointment. Oh, my gosh. I was, I was so excited. I went to Bean Squeeze, which is a, a chain of coffee joints down there, and I was like, oh, my gosh, it's like the old times of when I was living in Hamlin Heights. It was great. Yeah, I loved it down there. It's got a, it's more of a chill vibe again down there? Yeah, yeah. Way more chilled. It was just my pace. It was perfect. Most weekends I was down by some beach somewhere, quite often Torquay because I'd go and hike bits of the coastal trek and then I'd go for a dip in the beach and hang out and read books by the beach and uh, have picnics there with mates. It was great. It was just this incredible zen life that I had down there. Yeah. Okay. And then, yeah, so now being stuck in the concrete jungle of bloody Paran, not as ideal, huh? As I said, I've got some incredible parks and running paths and Albert Park Lake is so close to my house. So. If I need a change of scenery, that provides it. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. Uh, very valid. Yeah. We're slowly getting enough tips to triangulate where you're living now. <laughs> Specifically. Zoning in, <laughs> zoning in slowly. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so I guess after that, you where'd you work overseas? I worked in Canada. Oh, okay, right. It was a great sort of accident, isn't the word. I was, you know, doing the traveling thing and I was in America and I'd finished uni, couldn't get a radio job here. No one wanted to hire me. So I took off overseas and one day I just emailed dad because that was the easier way to communicate to my parents. And I said to dad that on the computer at home, I had what we call an air check or a demo, which is what you would send out to get a job. And I said, Mm. hey, can you email that to me? It's in this folder, yada, 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 because I found a radio station that's just down the highway from where I was living. I was in a town called Lake Louise and mm. uh, I was working there outside of radio. I thought, oh, geez, I wonder if I could pick up some casual work at the radio station. So dad sent me the air check and I got in contact with the program director there, Rob, and he hired me. And then I started doing some shows on Mountain FM, which was in the locals town of Canmore. So that's in the Canadian Rockies. And it was just the most incredible place to live there. And you only appreciate it when you leave. I didn't get just how incredible it was for me to live in the Canadian Rockies. And internet was hardly a thing when I was there. Like I was there pre-Facebook. You know, you couldn't go on Google or TripAdvisor and find like the top 10 things to do in Lake Louise. That was not a thing. So it wasn't until years later that I realised just how spectacular of a place Lake Louise, the Canadian Rockies were. Yeah, I loved it. Right, yeah, because that's like you couldn't Google and be like Canadian Rockies and see all these people being like, it's the best. And you're like, you know what? It is. Yeah. So is that like, have you seen The Revenant, the movie The Revenant? No. With Leonardo DiCaprio? I saw the first half of it and then I fell asleep. I was watching it on a plane. All right. That's the worst possible place to see that movie. Yeah, I know. It wasn't great. Because I think that like that movie is probably like a love letter to the Canadian wilderness because that's where it was shot up there. <gasps> and it's the most epic looking place ever. I loved it. I was like, oh, wow, I want to yeah. love to check that out. It was the best. And I have been fortunate enough to go back and visit. My brother actually lives in the next province over in British Columbia, not too far from Whistler for those people who are familiar with that area of Canada. So I've been to Canada so many times to go and visit family there and that was part of the reason why I wanted to go and live there and work there for a little bit after university too. So 
it is truly incredible. And the landscape, it's one of those landscapes where you know it straight away because the colours of the lakes and it's different. It's just different there. It's amazing. Yeah. You sound like a big fan. I'll be honest. I'm not ragging on it, but it sounds like a bit of a step up from Noble Park. <laughs> North, Noble Park. Nova, Nova North. Oh, shit. That is a okay. very important addendum, I will have you know. Okay? Okay. Yeah, I'm no. not ragging oh, on Noble Park, but, you know, I lived a good 10 or 15 minutes from Noble Park train station. <laughs> like, that's Noble Park. I grew up around the corner from Waverley Park footy ground, it's, you know, on the borderline of Mulgrave and Noble Park North. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's fine. I mean. <laughs> Anyone who's grown up in that area, then we have to defend our zoning so much. Just like the north, it's a completely different suburb. I, yeah, yeah, it's the other I side of Princess Highway. It's a big deal. <laughs> you don't get it. <laughs> oh, no, I'm definitely getting it now. All right, I will remember this future reference just to annoy people. I'll I'll keep making the same mistake. <laughs> oh, yeah, if you want to make someone's eye twitch from that area, tell them that they live in Noble Park. <laughs> this really does sound like you're ragging on Noble Park, I'll be honest. <laughs> oh, I'm not ragging on it. Mate. Way more than me saying it's not the Canadian Rockies. Like, I feel like that's a much more fair comparison. <laughs> mate, there oh, was a man. time in my life where I didn't even say that I lived there. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I grew up near Mulgrave. People are like, okay, cool. Now I own it. I own it. <laughs> What do you mean? Was that when you were younger or like when you first got out of there? <laughs> yeah, when I first escaped. <laughs> I don't know how many people I went to school with still live in that neck of the woods. I think most of them are probably out packing them Nary Warren way now, maybe. I don't know. You, yeah. you grow up and you leave that little part of suburbia. Yeah, yeah it's funny. You're making it sound like a country town somewhere. But it's, it's, not, it's, it's like 40 minutes. It's like 40 minutes away, not even half an hour. It's great. It's always such a novelty when I go back. I, actually, I've got some friends who live not too far away from there, so I'll pass through. It really is a novelty when I get to stop into Waverley Garden Shopping Centre. I'm like, oh, memories. I got drunk right there. I smoked a cigarette there. You should <laughs> climb the wall to get into the shopping centre. There was a big wall that you could scale and climb up. It was a great time. I used to race my dad up it. Oh, okay. Actually, in terms, because it might actually relate to the book, I guess, uh, in terms of your family situation growing up, uh, you got parents and then siblings? Yeah, I'm the youngest of five. Jam-packed family. Was it a pretty evenly spread or were you like the clear accident? Clear accident, so much so that mum had her tubes tied afterwards. She was like, we are not doing that again. <laughs> we should have stopped at four. <laughs> what was the gap between you and the other? Actually, four years, less than four years between the sibling just above me, my sister, yeah. but I was not planned. It was mum and dad were obviously celebrating something. I don't know what. <laughs> They're like, it's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> it's such a classic drunk mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mum was probably like, I'm having hot flushes. I don't think I could get pregnant anymore. <laughs> yeah. Just hoping. I love that. It's like, well, you were the one that made your mum be like, I'm having no more. <laughs> that is it. Yeah, that was me. Now, there's a bit of a spread, though. Mum actually uh, got pregnant very early. My oldest brother, she was 16 when she was pregnant with him. So mm -hmm. there's 23 years between the oldest and the youngest. Oh, wow. Mm. That is. So your brother was older than your mum was when she had him when you she had you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the brother that lives in Canada. So can you imagine being 23 years old and then your mum is pregnant and <laughs> your mates are coming over? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's cool. I don't, it's, it, 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 straight away, what I'm thinking of when you say mates coming over. If your mum is that young as well, there's probably a risk of your mates coming over and being like, "Hey, probably." 
Mummy's beautiful. She's got the most incredible facial features, like the best cheekbones you've ever seen. She was 39 when she was pregnant with me. So, uh, yeah, still young, still a spring chicken, really. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. So, and, and you guys are all tight, families all t- close and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, we have our, yeah, what do you call it? That's Facebook is the app. Messenger is <laughs> we keep in contact because <laughs> my brother, the one that lives overseas, so we've got to keep in contact with him and his wife. He fell in love with a Canadian and then never came home, so one of those stories. He's actually, yeah, lived over there for pretty much most of my life. He'd be, already been over to Canada before I was even born. So we're pretty close and then, yeah, the rest of my siblings, they're all we're all spread out across Melbourne and, and catch up when we can. The last time we were all together in one room was actually for my birthday back in June, so that was a good time and the room was packed because there's a lot of kids going on. Yeah, it is good when everyone starts popping out the uh, the kids left and right. I, well, I've got nieces and nephews ranging from the ages of 17 down to one. There's a spread there as well with my nieces and nephews. Yeah. Nice. Actually, let's go to the book and then we'll tie back to all this stuff as we go, I guess, as well. So, do you want to say what book you want to talk about? The Perks today? of Being a Wallflower, which when you first asked me to come onto the podcast, I thought that that was such a cliche and surely someone would have covered this book by now. But you said apparently not. No, not yet. So, yeah, you're the first. Well, here I am with the perks of being a wallflower. I've actually got the book. It's well read. I've actually read it a couple of times. It's the only book I've ever read multiple times except from the Bible because I went to a private Catholic school and they used to make us read that all the time. Seriously? Well, if you're in detention. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, at least you're going to know your Psalms. Yeah, I'm going to run you through the Old Testament and the New Testament. Tell you my favorite bits. <laughs> you know, I feel like there would be more fun bits in the Bible than, you know, you yeah. About. I used to take a highlighter to the pictures. I used to try and find some of the, you know, the really basic stick figures that are drawn into the Bible. I mean, depending on the edition that you're reading, right? Uh, but the one that I had, maybe it was like the Herald Sun version, it was the pictorial version of the Bible. <laughs> I used to try and look in the pictures for some salacious poses and I'd highlight them and show them to my friends and I thought that was hilarious. That was how I passed the time during religious education classes. You know what, that that sounds both in character and appropriate for that age. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say I was 13 years old. I'm not doing it now at 33. Yeah, no, that's right. I believe you. Um, so that's uh, so for people who don't know, um, and I'll be, I'll be honest, I've only seen the movie so I don't know if... <laughs> how big the difference is between the movie and the book. But do you want to give a quick, like, two-second summary? It's what it's roughly about. You're reading diary entries and learning about a boy called Charlie who has experienced some tremendous amounts of trauma in his life. And you get to meet the people around him, the characters. You get really an in-depth view of the people who are playing a, a role and a part in his life from his teacher to his friends and there are some truly beautiful moments in this book that I love, which is why I've gone back and read it a couple of times because there are some standout moments in the book for me that just make me smile. It just makes me so happy. Having said that, though, there are some unbelievably sad parts of the book as well and realisations that you get through the book that are absolutely devastating. The topics that the book covers were so uh, controversial back in 1999 that there were some places that wouldn't even sell the book. 
Really? Yeah, because I guess it's pitched kind of uh, – it's meant to be for like – I guess young adults sort of like as in it's for all ages, but it's meant to be something that people coming of age yeah, in that age bracket would read. So maybe that's part of the reason. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Coming of age, perfect to read it because the book, you know, has a look at sexuality, rape, drug use, mental health issues, like massive mental health issues. There's a part in the book where there's a, I don't want to say who, but you know, that references to like a catatonic state. You know, mm. so it's he is a um, a book that really engages you and I believe develops you mentally. Actually, that's that's the thing I love about the book the most because Charlie is really taken under the wing of one of his teachers, and his teacher gets him to read all these books. And as you read, you know, the perks of being a wallflower, you see how Charlie develops at the influence of all these incredible books that he is then reading. And it's really beautiful. Oh, that sounds delightful. <laughs> <laughs> and there's some books in there that he's recommended that we already know, like To Kill a Mockingbird. You're like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. But there's a whole list. And you can actually Google the list of the books in there. And if you're a massive, massive bookworm, I would then say read The Perks of Being a, a Warflower and then go through the list of the books that have been recommended and see if you've read any and go through those because they're great. Have you given any of them a shot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were a couple that I ordered and I just haven't gotten around to because despite the fact that we are going through a global pandemic and I should have the most amount of time on my hands that I've ever had, I'm still awfully busy. Um, so, yeah, I probably – I need to get back onto that. There's uh, one, The Stranger. I've got that sitting at home, so I need to get through that. Yeah, there were three or four books actually that I ordered maybe about six months ago, so I need to get to those. <laughs> This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Eventually. You've got plenty of time. Yeah, i got 
got some time. Yeah, I got some time. COVID will be back. <laughs> yeah, they're there. That's the great thing with books. You can pick them up and you can. I've just got to remember to put them in my bag. Or And here's the other thing. I'm now driving to work, which I wouldn't normally do. Normally I'd commute on the tram. So that's another place where I would normally be able to smash out a couple of chapters every morning. So my time spent reading has changed drastically. Yeah, because you got those little spots where you can do that and then once they're gone, you don't have the habit, the routine to do it in other places. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So hopefully as we come out of COVID-19, I'll be able to resume those reading habits because they're great. There's, I was never really a big reader when I was younger because I'm actually dyslexic. So I kind of faked my way through school for a really long time before I was properly diagnosed. Oh, right. Okay, so does that uh, you're not the first person who's liked reading, who's dyslexic. So do you, how did you get over that now? How do you deal with that? I actually had to contact the reading and writing hotline as an adult when I was moving around for radio because there were a couple of things and tips of the trade that I was given when I was in school. I actually had an English teacher pick up in year nine that I was dyslexic. I was in high school before anyone picked up on it. <laughs> how good are you at faking this? Charisma will get you pretty far. Year nine, like, because dyslexia, you can read, it just takes really long, right? Yeah, it affects reading and writing. Some people are more affected in certain areas. Numbers might do you in, definitely didn't me in with numbers. And I just see them the wrong way round, particularly with numbers. For some reason, if I'm looking at a four, I don't know, in my head it goes in as a seven or something. It's just really hard to explain. And I can lose my line really easily. So if you're trying to follow a line or you're looking at a, a graph or something on an Excel spreadsheet, someone else, it looks really easy. For me, it's jumping all over the place and I've got to concentrate right. and I've got to zoom in. And sometimes, you know, you've got to hold a piece of paper under the line or, or something to really concentrate. So uh, another thing that I'm mindful when I'm buying books is the font and the size that, that it's in as well. So I've got to be a bit mindful of that. Yeah, because just so you can keep track of uh, where it was. So is that like, have you tried audiobooks? Yeah, yeah, I have tried audiobooks. So they're lovely to listen to when you're in the car. I think you've got to pick your book. You don't want to be driving down Dandenong Road, hitting a devastating part of a book and start crying. (laughs) (laughs) I'm loving how engaged you are in these books as you're listening. I'll give you that (laughs) regardless. That's beautiful. (laughs) I'm so engaged by them. I think it's great. And one of those things, being a kid who didn't get the book thing, and that was because I wasn't able to enjoy it like everybody else because I was struggling so much. When people would say to me, oh, they love books and they love reading and that escapism and that world it places you in, I was just sort of like, I'm going to go kick the footy. I had no time (laughs) for it whatsoever. And then when I got older and then figured out, the best way to actually read and retain the information. That was also something I really struggled with as well, actually retaining because I I would forget the past chapter and then really Mm. struggle. So once I cracked that, all was good. And I'm now at the point, it's funny that you say you've watched the movie to the perks of being a wallflower, which I believe you watch because of particular casting. Hey, okay. That helps. But it wasn't the exclusive reason. (laughs) Actually, in this case, maybe it was, now that I think about it, the only reason. But I'm glad I did. She's amazing, all right? Hey, you don't need to tell me twice. Emma Watson is a truly incredible human being, but I do know your love and appreciation for her. So I feel like that might have persuaded you to watch the movie. But this is 
one of the only times that I haven't gotten around to watching the movie because I love the book so much. And that was another thing I never understood when people would say, oh, my gosh, the movie is nowhere near as good as the book. And I would think that they were a snob. And I'm like, just enjoy the movie, goddammit. But now I get it. <laughs> but now the first chance you get to get it, you are getting it. Yeah. And you were right in that wave. <laughs> but I looked and apparently it's on Netflix, so I should bunk it down and watch it. Because from all reports, it's actually a wonderful adaption. Yeah, it's uh, I, I liked it a lot. It was really good. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, it was a... Quite, yeah, from what you're saying, I'm guessing the book goes much deeper into the topics, but yeah, it does hit some stuff where you're like, whew, that is a lot. Yeah. That is, this is some heavy stuff. Yeah, it was um, heavy for a woman in her 20s to read as well, but incredible. And also, I wish it was something that I read as a teenager. Mm, I guess a few questions now. One is like, how did you get these skills to be able to read now? Like, as in, I would have thought, I don't know, how does that work that you can do it now? Yeah, as I said, it was something that I had to really bunker down on perfecting as an adult. So I had to go and, and seek those services. And they're still around, like the reading, writing hotline, that's still absolutely a thing. And they can absolutely help people out and they're wonderful. And there's other services. And like anything, you're training up for something. You know, if someone wants to go run a marathon, they've got to train for that. And then they are eventually fit enough to run the marathon. It is exactly the same as learning the skill of being able to read and write properly the thing is, with dyslexia, it's just a different way. But so many people learn differently as well. It doesn't matter if you are on the spectrum or if you're a boy or a girl or anything in between. We've all got different ways that we learn and how we take things on. And sometimes you aren't as uh, quick to the uptake as what other people are. So I just had to work on that as an adult. Right. So, But it was basically just Going back to the basics and doing the fundamentals, it wasn't actually tailored specifically to the dyslexia. It was about... Oh, no, there are, you know, different exercises and little things that help. Colours is something that I really struggle with because with dyslexia, you learn to read in pictures. And perhaps that might be why I was so good at Japanese back in the day because I was really good at learning Japanese and, and hosted Japanese exchange students as well and I was absolutely fascinated. And, you know, that's maybe because their alphabet is in little mini pictures, you know, in your brain and that might have been why. I'm not so sure. But, yeah, with dyslexia, it's really easy to learn in pictures. So I struggle reading capitals if you're writing all in capitals because if you're looking at something and you're, you're reading, there's capitalization. But then after that, it's all lowercase. That's part of mm. the picture. So if you alter that picture, mm. that's going to be a hard time for me. I will eventually get to it, but my brain is going to take a significant amount of time to switch over and realize that I'm talking if we're going past a three-syllable word. If you're writing like cat, match, sat, I'm going to be okay in capital. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the bigger the word, yeah. the more of an issue it becomes. So you're reading in pictures. The picture is black font on a white background. That is the picture that you're learning with. If you deviate too far from that, that is a struggle. So if someone writes in red on white, that is a firm no from me. (laughs) All right. Well, that's not that regular, so that's all right. Yeah, you're safe there. Well, in the everyday world, it isn't regular, but I ask you this. If you're creating documents for work and they're spreadsheets or whatnot, and you want to create a headline color, what color do you use? So many people go with red. Ah, you just got to bold the black. That's all you got to do. So here at work, there's a little rule with our promotions department and they are the incredible team of people who facilitate all the wonderful prizes that radio listeners win, be it, you know, money or vouchers or whatever. 
their job is looking after all that kind of stuff. And then they've got to give us what's called the credit line. So we've got to say what it is that we're giving you from what company. And I find at a lot of radio stations, they love putting things in red. So when I got here, I was like, guys, I love you. I know I'm new and you've probably been here for years, but I can't read red on white. So if you want me to read the client's credit, please do not put it in red. Yeah. And then they probably took a few times to remember maybe. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You work around it. Um, Yellow notepads are another thing that a lot of dyslexic people love. It's uh, It helps some people with uh, focusing and eyesight. There's a few tricks of the trade to getting around dyslexia. Yeah. There's something I find so sweet about like wanting to learn and maybe realizing you didn't as much as you should have in school. So then trying to do it in your 20s. That's really nice. Yeah. Respect that. It's awesome. Thank you. Well, you yeah. know, I, uh, I talk for a living and dyslexia absolutely affected me as a child with talking to the point where when I was in class, you know, when the teacher would say, so-and-so's turn to read, or you just go one person at a time and you're doing an excerpt. When it was my turn to read, you would hear this collective, because <sighs> so not her, please do not get her to read. She's not good. <laughs> Okay. All right. So look, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, so as a fairly well-read individual who also doesn't mind being in front of a crowd, yeah. reading in class was so easy for me. It was never a problem. Yeah. Never skipped a beat. It was perfect every time. So I would always be so judgy sometimes with people reading and I'm like, Ugh. Yeah. Hurry up. Like, and then, especially when you got to like year 10 and people were still doing it. And clearly at that point, it's shyness, or you would assume. Yeah. You would assume it's shyness. <laughs> they can read at year 10. But even then, it's like, ah, oh, it's like today, mate. We got to fucking. You would be the one judging me 100%. But quite often, actually, when it came to English class, I was, I was actually taken out of class. And I didn't yeah. even know why. Yeah, when I was in primary school, I never even knew why. No one told me. I now know as an adult that I was being taken out of class because I had to go with um, another teacher who was, you know, a, a teacher's aide. And, and that's how I was learning maths and English. I was really far behind other students. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and you weren't even diagnosed at that point. That was just like. No, they probably just thought that I had a learning disability or something or. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Something. I mean, dyslexia is, but they couldn't put their finger on it. So I was always taken out of class and always had the building blocks when you were dealing with maths. And so I was having a great time at maths. And then we go out to lunch. I'd be chatting to my friends. And say, oh, I did this in maths today. What did you guys do? And they're like, oh, yeah, we're doing pie charts and stuff. And we had this. I was like, oh, no, I definitely didn't do that today. (laughs) I was building blocks. God. Yeah, so I was fully taken out of class. I was one of those kids. That was me. (laughs) And the teacher would rock up, you know, in year seven, eight. No, I had no idea what was going on. I was like, okay, cool. No worries. Okay. So you were very well aware of your own issue with that compared to the other kids, I guess. Because. But thankfully, I I wasn't uh, overly shy about it. It wasn't until year eight was probably the year that I started to cop flack for being slow at reading and mucking up my words a lot and jumbling up words quite a bit as well. And Just in speech. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just jumble. Quite often it would be the the first letter of one word with whatever the next word was and I'd swap them around. So that was just a normal thing. And at home, you know, my parents, we'd have a laugh about it. There, there are moments that I remember absolutely pissing myself laughing because I was trying to get it, – it, it happened more often than not when I was really excited. 
So I'm trying to get the words out really quickly and I would end up just completely making an absolute mess of the sentence. Then I'd be cacking myself at home. So I'm really fortunate that I had such a warm environment at home and then all those teachers in primary school as well and everybody who was taking me out of class and all those aides making me feel accepted, even though I was very clearly struggling as well. And they did so in such a way that I was completely unaware of how I could be judged negatively until year eight. Like that says a lot about the people that I had educating me. That's impressive. Like that's across the board from everyone. That's that's beautiful. And then year eight, I guess, all girls school? No, I was just the kid that people picked on at school. Right. So I, I just, I really copped it. And year eight was just, you know, they'd mix you up every year for school. And then once I landed in that particular homeroom, it was just, oh, it was hell. It was absolute yeah. hell. Yeah. And that was my, my homeroom class was the class that definitely let me know that I was the dumb kid. <laughs> that is, that's so rough. Yeah. Kids are such pricks. And then for years I thought I was dumb and I was like, oh, no, I'm not dumb. I just learn differently. So then I wanted to make up for what I felt like I'd missed out on. So then I, I just read now. I read a lot. I try and read. Mm. I, sometimes if you get really bored, you know, if you, if you feel like you've out-Netflixed and outstand yourself, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> or any other out amazon yourself, yeah. you go onto Google Scholar and you can read a thesis from a PhD student or, or whatnot and you get to read all these incredible studies and case studies from all over the world. Google Scholar, oh, my gosh, you can knock yourself out on. I've had some great time on there. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. That is just randomly picking something. Yeah, just randomly picking a topic. Yep. Yeah. I remember some people that I worked with back in the day in radio, Dan DeBoof and Matt Saracini, wonderful, intelligent people that I had the pleasure of working with within radio. I remember when they came across Wikipedia and then they said, oh, do you know, you can just go on Wikipedia and, and just let it find something for you to learn about. And I was like, what do you mean? What is this Wikipedia thing? So yeah, I'd go on and just learn something random on there. <laughs> Which is awfully handy when you go and do trivia and you're committed to winning jugs of beer. Oh, yeah? You're a bit of a trivia queen? Oh, I wouldn't say trivia queen, but, you know, I'm handy to have on a team. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'd like to think of myself the same, actually. I like to think I've got some trivia skills down. Okay, so that's a beautiful. Like, I really love that tragedy. And, like, it sounds like you came out of that sort of negativity from that year eight stuff pretty well. So I'm like, in my head straight away, I think of, like, how having that up to year seven, I guess, environment mm. primed you well to snap back after, even though it was this rude awakening in year eight, you still had that base maybe of like being like, nah, I'm good. I just learned different rather than being like. Took me yeah. a while to come around to that. I got through schooling by being part of every single extracurricular club that was available bar the chess club. And when I say every single club, I mean it. I tried everything, anything that would get me away from the classroom, away from being exposed potentially, because if you were heavily involved inside the debating club, you had to go on excursions to other schools and do debates and whatnot. That get you out of school so much. I was also on the swimming squad, the athletic squad, the cross-country squad. I was in the school choir, the vocal group. I did solo performances. I did everything. And so I just absolutely jam-packed my diary so much. And I can't believe that school let me do this, but I jam-packed it so much that I was barely in school. I would even negotiate my vocal lessons with my music teacher for maths classes so that I could miss maths because that was my worst subject. 
like you hustler. Yeah. <laughs> you really did a very proactive, positive way of dealing with this. Like it's still technically just avoiding the issue, but in a really good way, <laughs> in a really great God, way. God, what's going to get me out of class? Cross country, another one, you know, you got to run for a long time. Yeah, that's, that's hours away from class. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Is there a golf one? I want to do a golf one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do 18 holes. We'll go again. Yeah, I got involved with everything. Oh, dance class as well. I was on the cricket team. I even started. I, there was a, one of the teachers at school. We realized that when it came to our inter-school sports, we didn't have a softball team. I was like, let's start one. So we started the softball team and we're playing into school sports. So that was another thing that got me out of school. And I just kept going. I was on a mission. Get me out of class. All right. Okay. Well, that's interesting because I was going to say, to tie it back to the book a little bit, like in terms of the book is about this guy who's like this coming of age thing. He's yeah. very much dealing with his trauma thing and he feels like a bit of an outsider. And he's got these people who are really supportive, including a mentor. Yeah. I was going to say like, I mean, there's pretty clear parallels you could argue with what you were going through in terms of- yeah. That separation from everyone, that outsider status. I mean, the title of the book, I'm pretty sure, is about you being a wallflower, right? It was in the character of being a wallflower, and you just sit there and stare at everyone. Yeah. And you don't actually get involved. Yeah. But so you felt like that, but at the same time, it sounds like you were pretty involved in lots of stuff. So involved. And a lot of people didn't like that either. And my friendship groups were very strange. We were just the leftover misfits, basically. You know, some people make friends in school because you have this similarity or whatnot to one another. But yeah, I was sort of uh, part of just the picked on group for a really long time until I reached my senior years and I actually had people investing in me, showing interest, asking me questions, which I was shocked about. I remember being in business management year 11 and this guy, Ryan, wanted to sit next to me and ask me questions. I was like, why are you talking to me? Normally people just yell at me. So <laughs> it was really, really strange, uh, that shift that happened in senior school. And maybe that was because of the maturity that comes with kids at that age. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. But it was definitely a self-preservation sort of thing that I was doing at school. But sometimes I wished I was a wallflower, that I could just fold back. But there was all those extra, particularly sports, that kept me busy and kept my mind going so I had a positive outlet while I was at school. But then. While I would be trying to be at school inconspicuously, there would be things that would happen that would just make me front and centre. Like at the end of year eight, I was in a massive car accident with my dad and I sustained huge, huge injuries and missed the end of year eight and came back to year nine, but I was still on crutches and I had you know damage to my spinal cord and vertebrae and to my ribs and whatnot. And year nine at my school, we were up on the third level. And my mum had to contact the school and say, she's actually not going to be able to get to class. She's still on her crutches and she's still recovering. And it's going to be a long time as well because I smashed both of my knees, my kneecap, the seatbelt didn't work. Mm. So I actually oh, went wow. I went into the dashboard uh, and the dash and the, and the windscreen. Jesus. They had to renegotiate term one and change the classes and everything. And the school did a wonderful job of doing that. But the year nine kids were so aware. And, you know, when you were going from year eight to year nine, you were so excited because you were going up into the other level of the school. And I ruined that. One person on crutches ruined that. And, man, I copped it. Oh, my God. 
That is, you would have been like, I would have taken the stairs <laughs> for this. Yeah, yeah. Well, they ended up asking me, like, oh, are you ready to go back to the normal classrooms, I think, for semester two? And I was like, yeah, I'm so ready. I wasn't ready, but I just tackled the stairs. Really? Yeah. That is. And then I ended up falling down like two flights of stairs because my, my knees gave Oh, my God. I think we had to move the classes again. Oh, my God. <laughs> This is such a. I forgot about that. Mum reminded me. Mum's like, remember that time that you like, you know, broke your arm and stuff because you fell down the stairs. I was like, oh my god, yes. <laughs> like your your extremely sunny exterior in general, <laughs> even as delivering this is, I don't know whether it's disturbing or just the sign of your generally positive, optimistic outlook. Well, I'm still here, I'm still living. You know, you get yeah, busy yeah. living, or you get busy dying. I just think you've got to live by that. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting you're saying that because I've always got a question about like what makes people like act the way they are, so all that sort of thing as well. And I think for you, it seems like you naturally do have a fairly sunny disposition even when you got pushed around a bit with life <laughs> quite a few times. A lot of other people could have sunk into something a bit further, I guess, have really taken on board themselves and stuff. But it sounds like you dealt with it positively, I guess, in that sense. Well, comedy's always been a really great outlet for that. And that's why I love what I do right now. I understand that you know, particularly with my stand-up, that's not for everybody. And I get that. That's fine because there are stand-up comedians out there that I don't like. You know, when you're starting out as a comedian, you've got to go doing all those open mics and you're sitting there going, this is not my sense of humour. You've got to sit there and you've got to wait for Hayden or or Kate or whoever is up before you to do their little bit and, and then you get up and do your own little bit when you're starting out. But comedy for me, it's it's just the best. And, and radio offers that too. I feel like I have this job that just makes people smile and that's the best. It's the most wonderful escapism and particularly with radio, you never know where someone is when they're listening to the radio. You don't know what they're doing. They could be going to work. They could be going to hospital. They could be on their way to have chemo. You don't know what someone is doing when they're listening to the radio. I feel like it's my job to keep them going, to keep them happy and uplifted And, and then the same thing with comedy. I think no matter how awful life is, if you can go into a room and maybe it's an hour show, maybe it's half an hour, whatever, if you can go and leave it at the door and just go and be present as an audience member at a comedy show, you are going to have the best time, even if only for 45, 55 minutes. It's the best. Yeah. No, that's true. I mean, it's – well, look, I think that kind of (laughs) – it's funny because your choice of book with Perks of Being a Wallflower is like quite cynical at times. Does that have positive elements to it from memory? Like I'm just trying to like. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. That's the other great thing about the book. When I was, I was saying earlier, I love all the other books that you can look up as well. The other thing you can look up is all the beautiful quotes that are in there. One of them, like when Charlie says that he feels infinite, it was mm. incredible. It stuck with me. So it's. <laughs> no one can see this but the smile on your face as you're saying that is amazing because that is the other because i guess the life-affirming nature of the book is what kind of seems to hit you the most yes. more so than the dealing with being an outsider and dealing with being the trauma of something when you're young although in his case it's stress trauma <laughs> but for you it's like it's that life-affirming nature of it mm. and i guess the fact with him is his family's always there for him as well which sounds like you've got that kind of thing going for you as well oh yeah yeah, my family are awesome. Very blessed. My mom, yeah. my dad, my brothers and my sisters, they're great. No, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's from the movie, but there is a bit towards the end which has stuck with me. It's going to be with me for a long time when he calls up his sister and is like, 
just says he's gone to a bad place and just the reaction, I was like, oh, that's family right there. And just like that, yeah. that moment is just like, oh, yeah. They have such a love-hate relationship in the book as well. It's great. I think, you know, if, you've, uh, if you're in a family with siblings, there's those moments there between them that you'll go, oh, yeah, I've definitely had that with my brother or my sister. Nice. Well, I mean, this has been so ins- Honestly, I think I've got to go read this book now. Yes. That's what you've done to me. I've got to go and read this because, I mean, it's a coming of age run. It's funny reading that stuff, like you said, in your 20s because like, or in my case, in my 30s now, but it's like, ah, oh, wish I read this back then, but it's still, you feel that stuff of when you were yeah. in that place. Yeah. And it's nice to see other people went through the same stuff. Yeah. I guess, yeah. It's a really great book. And for people who, like me, don't want to be too challenged when they're reading a book. I found it an easy read as well. Yeah. Easy to get on the run with. Yeah. 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 Easy, to, easy to keep reading. Yeah. 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 It's great. <laughs> yeah. Great. So you read the book. I'll watch the movie. There we go. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. I always finish off every show the same way. Do you feel like in this conversation, you felt like you've learned anything new between yourself and the perks of being a wallflower? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I'd ever sat down and thought about the similarities for myself and those of the characters in the book ever. Oh, really? Yeah, it wasn't until you were saying it. I went, huh, right. <laughs> <laughs> You've been so happy to say, oh, all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Sarah. You've been great. Thank you for having me, and I'm really excited to set some time aside to watch the movie this weekend so I can watch one of the women you adore, Emma Watson. You're making me sound so cliche right now. You're killing me. You're killing me. The biggest cliche on the planet. But yes, anyways, (laughs) thank you very much. Enjoy the movie. Cheers. Thanks for listening. If you want to help support this show and all the other shows we do here at Sanspants Radio, then why not subscribe to sanspantsplus.com. For as little as $5 a month, you could have access to a whole bunch of bonus shows and content. Once again, that's sanspantsplus.com. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.